Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Paratruth Radio right here on Blog Talk Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Justin. I'm still waiting on Eric here, so I'll run down really fast for you guys. Um, we're going to be doing the show on our old paranormal investigations that we did, uh, I'd say, five years ago. Um some of them were interesting, some of them not so much, but we will go into all the, those details. Uh, if you have any uh, paranormal uh, events that you want to share with us, um, you can call in 914-205-5558, um, as well as uh, get us in our chat room. If you're listening on a computer, you just scroll down to the bottom of the listen page and the chat should pop up there for you. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can also find us on LinkedIn. Um, and if you can, can't can find us on there, you can also reach us on our email, which is paratruthradio at gmail.com. Um, I think we have Eric here now. Yep, I'm here now. <laughs> <sighs> it, the, I don't know if my clock is... I think my clock's off by a couple minutes because it said I sat down at uh, 7:57. It said the show had already started. (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you watching, man? Why aren't you watching? My clock says 7:57. No, I'm talking about your computer screen, Dorcas. Oh, because I was turning stuff off. I was turning like the TV off and stuff, so that wouldn't make noise in the background. And then I was like. So I just glanced and I noticed it say live. I said, like, wait a second. That's not right. <laughs> oh, well. All right, and well, then the stupid thing would explode for me. Yeah, that's that's part of the problem with doing it this way. But All right, well, for those of you just tuning in, um, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, past paranormal investigations and we decided to do a two-hour episode uh, specifically because we are probably going to get off topic quite a bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, me and Eric have been enjoying a glass of wine since, I'd say, about uh, probably about 7 o'clock your guys' time. If you're on the eastern coast, uh, it was 6 o'clock my time. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was um, why I'm a little late here. <laughs> I had to get another glass. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but um, anyway, um, also real quick, for those of you, which there's only one person out there, um, <laughs> I <laughs> that, that I actually told this to, uh, yesterday I had mentioned that we would be uh, covering or continuing a discussion from last week, which is based on out-of-body experiences. Well, that has changed, obviously, as you just heard. So I'm sorry if I misled you a bit, um, but I think this well, topic would be much more fun anyway. And I, it may get to the point that we might get into that if we run out of topic with the investigations part of it. Um, well, I mean, there, there's a certain experiences that I can share that are similar uh, or could be considered out-of-body experiences. So we'll still cover it in some way, but... Um, I think this particular episode just allows 
not that we're not that we're new to Blog Talk Radio, but we are relatively new for this particular show. This um, show, yeah. Yeah, and for those of you who are new and just tuning in, um, it'll give you a little bit uh, of an idea about our background and who we are, I guess, within the paranormal community. So. Yeah. Well, and um, I was kind of going through the marketing or the um, advertising kit that you get to to give to um, advertisers if they want to advertise on your show, and it says mm-hmm. um, give a brief bio for the hosts, and it um, or it says host bio, but it was just like the example was a brief thing. John so-and-so has a PhD and whatever and whatever. And I, I just put Eric and Justin have been doing paranormal radio for the past five years. Uh, most recently on blog talk radio for the past five or six months, however long it's been. Um, yeah. I think it's been five months cause we started in the middle of June. Um, um so it, yeah, yeah. It was just after my birthday because we did it on the the uh, Friday the thirteenth Enigma. Yeah, that's right. Because we, we you had asked me about it like in April or like end of April I think or early May. Yeah. We decided to wait a couple months. Um, I do have another idea for the whole advertising thing. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about business of our own stuff right now <laughs> with everybody else. So if you have any ideas out there for advertising and stuff, feel free to. Uh, hit up and chat and also email us at the uh, web at uh, the uh, email address that Justin had mentioned earlier. Um, but you and I need to get business cards again. <clears throat> um, yeah. Obviously, we won't pay the same amount that we did for our really awesome ones that I still have <laughs> yeah. um, and can no longer use, but they're cool <laughs> and flashy to look at. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to discuss. I got an idea, but we need to get business cards in order in order to do it. Um, and I'll discuss that with you a little later yeah. during break or after the show. Um, but I think it'll help out a lot as well. <sighs> yeah. So all all of you out there who are listening, start spreading the word. Tell them to check out Paratruth Radio at this That's day and time. Advertising, yeah, is word of mouth. Um, if you're a fan of the show, like when we did our Indiegogo thing, like I told you guys before, we love doing this show. We want to improve it for you guys. Um, and the only way for this show to get popular is for people to announce it word of mouth. Um, we can do other advertising that will, will help, but word of mouth is the best because if you love the show, people are going to be like, Oh, I should check that out. Other people will be like, I'm not into the paranormal. It doesn't matter. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has their own opinions about everything. And as you've heard multiple times on our show, there are two perspe- two perspectives on this show. And there are differing perspectives, um, as you've heard last week, about the out-of-body experiences and the, mm-hmm. the astral projection. Um, so I... I encourage you guys to let your friends know, tell them where to find us. If they, if you can't even remember the blog talk radio forward slash pair truth radio, they can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, just make sure you let them know Paratruth is all one word and then radio. Um, Cause it's kind of confusing the way that we did it, but 
they'll be able to find us as long as they know Paratroops yeah. is all one word. And, you know, if you don't love the show, we know you love us. Because I yeah. think we're dolls. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, who doesn't love us? So get it out there for us. <laughs> I love myself. I don't know about you. I but. love myself. I wouldn't <laughs> say I love myself all the time, uh, but I do love No, not at all. <laughs> I don't love yourself right. either. <laughs> anyway, uh, so personal experiences, EP, video, pictures, et cetera, et cetera, from our previous investigations. I'm going to tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have any of that stuff to show you, nothing for you to listen we to. Just talk most, about, yeah. yeah, we're going to talk about it. Mostly because all of our evidence, well, at least all of my evidence, is a good eight-hour drive from where I'm currently at. And Justin, I, I don't know. I'm assuming either you lost all of ours or sold it. And that's why you don't have it. Uh, or you lost it on your old computer. It's it was on the old computer. I'm almost mm-hmm. positive I didn't back it up. I can look I didn't even think about it to look on my external hard drive, but I don't think there's anything in there. Right, um, right. And I mean I do have our the old videos from the serial killer investigation that we did and the uh the one uh business building that we did or whatever it was. It was a business building, I think, yeah. Cause oh, had, yeah, the one downtown in Cleveland. Yeah. Outside of downtown. Yeah. Um, oh. And uh, those videos, I don't think there was really anything on video, but I'll have to rewatch them. Um, I will tell you, we not so much on video, but we, well, there's two things. One, we did have something on video. Um, it, to give you a little bit of a background, this this building, we're not going to mention what building it was um, for legal reasons, but yeah. <clears throat> it basically the people that we were doing this investigation for, our clients, owned the basement, or at least a few rooms in the basement, uh, and in particular, they ran a gym and a music production studio. Yeah. Um, and this particular area was huge uh, back in the 40s, whatnot and used by the mob and earlier than that as well and used by like the Italian mob and stuff and there's been rumors of people being killed in that basement in certain rooms uh, people being tortured so on and so forth so we got a call to come out and investigate this place and we ended up doing that and one of the most if there was enough or first of all this particular investigation was just crazy because we had way too many people there that night um, yeah and we didn't quite plan that one out very well there. We had, what? We had two teams there, two different teams. We did. We, we had two the, teams, but we also had two guests as well. If you remember, Ashley and her friend was there as well. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of people, and there was a lot of noise, unfortunately. It was a little difficult to do at times. But we had some infrared cameras set up. We also had a thermal camera set up. Um, and on one of the infrared, infrared cameras, uh, we had somebody watching it. And something, we weren't exactly sure what, had walked in one of the back rooms, like down the hallway and up the stairs. Uh, and everyone else that was within our two groups was at the other side of the building. So it was pretty interesting as to what that was. And luckily, like after doing some quick investigating, we were able to debunk that it was nothing more than a security guard. I believe it was either a security guard or a, uh, 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 what do they, they call The janitorial? people oh. um, who ended up walking downstairs, heard voices and saw flashlights, 
got scared and ran back upstairs. <laughs> um, so it's a good thing they didn't call the police. Not that it would have been in trouble because we were with the owners. But um, that was probably the most significant thing that happened on video. On camera, however, if you you might remember this, Justin, because you and I were in the, my basement looking at this picture. We blew it up. Oh, yeah. A few times. And it looked like there was, it almost looked like a skeleton with a hood on it. Looked like right, a Grim Reaper. Figure. Yeah. That's what kind of hooded figure, you know? And it was in this room in which supposedly people were chained up and tortured or held captive. And I I I mean, we were dead like for sure. We were, we were dead sure that this was a hooded figure of some sort. And after I think it took us a couple of days to finally realize it actually, it ended up being a tree. There's a yeah, because it was it was somebody's office for the the people that we were doing the investigation for, and this office looked like it was a meat locker that was converted into an office because the door was one of those big steel heavy doors they mm-hmm. used back in the the 50s, 60s, um, even maybe the 70s for a freezer where you had to pull hard and open that thing. And it was a still that heavy of a door. Um, I don't know why they kept that door on there. I guess maybe just to keep people out of there um, while they were working. Um, but even when you walked into that room, you just got an uneasy feeling being yeah. in that room. It was an uneasy feeling, and it was colder than the rest of the rooms. Yeah. Um, which was interesting. And, I, you know, some might be like, well, it was a meat locker, so there must be a vent of some sort that helped cool everything down. But <clears throat> when you were there, I mean, nothing was really active. You know, it, there was no air conditioning running or any, anything like that. Um, yeah. And you just knew that it was not that it was paranormal, but it was oddly interesting <laughs> that this room was so much colder within literally a foot of being outside, like, you know, Going in the door and stepping out of the door were two different different atmospheres. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just no explanation for why exactly it was so cold in that particular room. But that was a fun investigation. Yeah, I mean, and I don't recall us getting any EVPs on it. The most, the most interesting aspect of it was that picture that we got um, and then the the thermal camera image. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of personal experiences, I think, from everybody, but nothing substantial. Right. If I right. recall, I recall people saying they saw shadow figures, they saw uh, orbs with the naked eye. So, uh, yeah. which is always interesting. Uh, it's one thing when you catch it on camera, then you can try to debunk it, but when you see it with the naked eye, it's a little. Right. It's definitely harder to debunk, but... <clears throat> well, and for those of you that know nothing about paranormal investigations or uh, paranormal activity whatsoever, if you're taking pictures and you get a what's called a, an orb in your picture, um, more times than not, it's a bug, it's a piece of dust, it's a water droplet that either got in front of or on your, your camera lens. Um, and it was distorted by <clears throat> by the flash and everything else. Um, if you are taking pictures uh, in a paranormal investigation or 
you're just at a place and you're taking pictures and you see this weird orb thing, the best way to see if it, or to determine if it is a quote-unquote spirit, um, two factors that you can look into. The the orb will have its own illumination. Um, Mm -hmm. If you don't know what that would mean, an orb in a picture that's a bug is almost... um, translucent you can see a light on the outside of it but then on the inside it's all dark and then a little dot so that you can basically tell there's a bug there and their their wings just catch the flash the right way um so that that orb has to be like completely bright colored it could be colored it could just be white light um some people say it has a nucleus but if it's a bug, it's going to have that little nucleus anyways, because that's going to be the body of the bug. So a nucleus, I don't think, is a, a very good example of hard evidence of an orb. Um, the other stuff, like the, the light and stuff like that, that's that's your best knowledge. Again, that doesn't guarantee that that was a, a spirit. It can be dumped, debunked other ways, but um, that is one of the orb uh theories cuz of course paranormal field has nothing but a bunch of theories um as to what an orb would really look like if it was <laughs> a, a spirit um <laughs> i'm trying to remember it's been so long since we've done that investigation and i'm trying to remember other things that happened um for the most part i think it was mostly like hot and cold temperatures. Uh-huh. Um, do you remember any noises, like people hearing noises? Um, I think there may have been one or two knocks, um, in particular coming from the weight room area. Uh, but I think the majority of the other, no- I mean, we heard a lot of noises, but the majority of them were always debunkable. Because we had, like we said, we had two teams, which we split up into like four separate smaller teams, and we would all investigate at the same time. So some of us would be in the back rooms, some of us would be up front by the uh, weight room, some of us would be somewhere in the middle or hanging out by the camera, uh, the uh, monitors watching the cameras. So we were always able to hear noise and then debunk it, being like, oh, it's just the other group. And, you know, you have walkie-talkies, you have radios that contact each other. And that was the majority of the noises we came across but there were, were one or two uh, noises that were not debunkable. And then also, in regards to camera, I do recall there were a few pictures. I think that, I don't know if I took or you took, Justin, um, where we were in the weight room and we were taking, took a couple of pictures towards the mirror, um, towards like some of the Nautilus type equipment. And there mm. were blue lights that appeared, almost like blue streaks in the camera. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Or, you know, in the picture. And that was something we could not debunk. Usually you would think, like, fate when you're taking a picture of something that's metal or taking a picture of a mirror, you can usually debunk it as the flash of light, you know, glaring off of the equipment. Um, mm. But in this particular case, it just wasn't that. Um, these, these lights were distinctly, I mean, they were blue in color. A, a typical flash is white. Um, and the streak itself was just, 
it was oddly created, almost almost as if something was streaking across the uh, camera or past the camera as you snapped the picture. Um, it just it, it just didn't um, it just didn't like represent not represent. It didn't mimic like a flash. It was, it was something right. completely different. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was something that just we could not debunk, and it was not that it was paranormal, but it was something that we just couldn't prove as being paranormal or not. So we can only yeah. say we don't know what it was. But it was interesting. It's interesting. And that's the thing too. Like, if you're doing a paranormal investigation, which I do not encourage you guys to do a paranormal investigation until you do some research first. Um, but a if lot you're of doing research. a paranormal, yeah. <laughs> Um, if you're doing a paranormal investigation, um, look for the most logical factors first. Um, you do not want to be telling somebody you have a ghost in your house when really there was just a photo distortion that could have been easily, uh, explained. Um, Mm -hmm. and we did have a, uh, a person on our group that, Kind of kind jumped of. the gun a couple of times, um, telling like people said, things like that. This is coming from experience. Um, yeah. With that said, we might as well move on to our next location then to talk about. Uh, and so this next location was actually a, what do you call it? The, the bar. I mean, it was a bar. Yeah. It was a bar Trans- that actually dated back to... Oh, I think the late 1800s. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty old. Um, And when we got, I mean, it was relatively small. The bar itself was relatively small. Then it had the entire basement that we were able to go down into. And it also had a kind of a grocery store attached to it. Uh, So we investigated the entire area. And in our group alone, there was, I think, one, two, three, four, I think five of us total. Uh, me and Justin, and then three others. Yeah. And on top of that, we ended up having the owners who stayed with us the entire time um, and just kind of sat around, which is something as investigators you don't really like to have because then you're trying to keep them company and make sure they're not getting in the way of the investigation itself while performing the investigation itself. Um, and just to we also had a guest on for that one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. We did have a guest as well. Um, so it's kind of tough to do investigations when you have the owners right there. But unfortunately, one of our guys that was on the team at the time, he would take – his camera was modified. Um, and I don't know exactly how it was modified, but the results he was getting isn't something you'd get with a normal camera whatsoever. Um, and we've discussed it, and he said he modified it. And basically, every photo he took – it would make a streak from some light source. So say I was taking a picture of a lamp, a still picture of a lamp. If I took that picture, it would almost look as if the light of that lamp was trailing out by several feet, if that makes sense. Almost as if the light itself had a tail. And he would always say that that was paranormal, which it wasn't. It was just the way he modified the camera and it gave um, false results, basically. Well, and, and it's not just that he was telling someone. He was telling the the clients this. I mean, mm-hmm. if it was just one of us, we could have been like, no, dude, that looks like it's just a distortion from 
the the camera, um, right. which is something you do not do. You do not approach, even if you have the client there for the investigation, you do not approach the client and be like, yeah, this is paranormal. You know, I can guarantee it. Um, doing multiple things to these pictures, to these recordings that you get for the EVPs is what you will get the the substantial evidence from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that is one of the biggest things that I had a problem with this person with because he had done it on the investigation for the um, the serial killer house as well. Um, and you know, and you never want to bring the evidence to a client until you actually review the evidence. And Justin and I would spend several days reviewing it, a couple of hours at a time, um, before we had anything significant or any like um, hard evidence to tell them whether it's yes, there's something here, and this is what we found, or we found nothing. We're pretty confident there's nothing here. Um, and that's something when you're doing investigations professionally in particular when you're working with the client you never want to come right out and say hey there's something here because you might be leading them down a false trail um so yeah. be very careful with that because uh, it will bite you later it'll come back and bite you later because if you're telling people right off hand that there's something there or that there isn't something there um and it your your personal opinion or your what you think is true ends up becoming false your you and your team get a bad rep and people will stop contacting yep. you. Um, so just, just something to keep in mind if you are doing paranormal investigations. Again, we don't, uh, we're not going to tell you to go out and do an investigation because it's very dangerous, first and foremost. So unless you're experienced and you've done a lot of research like Justin and I did before going on our first investigation, um, it's best to just sit your butt at home and continue watching Ghost Adventures. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's I mean that's something that most people don't understand. Like we'll we'll explain a little bit. I, I think we should take a break here, but one okay. thing to to think into account guys is um regardless of what you believe, if you believe like on the Christian side like Eric believes that it's nothing but uh demonic spirits or evil spirits trying to um trick us, I mean that's dangerous in itself. If you believe, like what I believe, that they are human spirits trapped here, um, they can still be evil spirits that can attack you. Um, It's still a very dangerous thing, and you have to know how to protect yourself um, when you're doing an investigation. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a quick break, folks. Um, If you're listening in live... Um, if you have a story to tell, uh, call in 914-205-5558. Uh, you can also hop into our chat. If you're on the li- on the listener page of the this particular episode, the old investigations episode, you can just scroll down to the bottom of the screen. Your chat, the chat room should pop up right there for you. Um, and then um, if you have anything you want to share after the show, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, you also can catch us on our email, which is paratroofadio at gmail.com. Uh, we will be back in just a couple minutes and uh, continue our little talk here. Are you ready? Are you prepared? What if some cataclysmic event shook your every foundation? Would you and your family know what to do? My name is Jacqueline Druga, host of the Apocalypse Dennis Show. 
Join me every Thursday evening, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Prepper Broadcasting Network. PrepperBroadcasting.com, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We're there for your survival needs. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that helped shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics, I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. This is Bill Hall, author of the book, The World's Most Haunted House, and you're listening to Paratruth Radio. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio right here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, we have been talking about our old investigations, um, and I said just before the break here um to learn how to protect yourself um i think for the most part just getting into a mindset of not what do i want to say not um encouraging the spirit to continue to be where they're at if there's a spirit there at all um do not provoke these spirits um I think too many of these TV shows get into the habit of provoking, quote-unquote, provoking these spirits. Not a good idea. Um, Also, as Eric would, I'm sure, attest to, have faith. If you have some type of faith that you believe in, that will protect you. Um, What else can, can... can you add to that, Eric? Um, well, in regards to protection-wise, not much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it is... You'll hear it time and time again, even, like, on the most famous paranormal radio or uh, TV shows, you know, some of the most famous ones. When you think of Ghost Hunters, think of Ghost Adventures. Uh, and there's other ones out there, too. They will always tell you to be careful provoking. And the guys that provoke on those shows, one, they know what they're getting into. Two, they've gotten themselves into it before and have found ways out of it. Um, Not that they're the best ways out of it, but they found ways out of it. And three, they know that it's going to be straight up dangerous. 
And, you know, we're not going to lie. Justin and I have both provoked in the past. We've both had negative experiences with it. Um, we still continue to do it. <laughs> um, but in the end, it can really mess you up. Um, and this goes along with, like, the whole idea of spirits attaching themselves to you. Yeah. Uh, and the idea there is that, <clears throat> well, it's hard to explain exactly, but basically you have some kind of connection with the spirit, whether it's a negative one or a positive one, and they will follow you home, and then they'll start haunting your house, and then things just get a lot worse from there. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I can't I can't go into too much detail than what I already have, but it's you're going to have to take our word for it. It's very dangerous. Uh, Justin and I, and I have both had negative experiences, um, some of which have lasted months, if not years at times. Um, and some, you know, for me personally, it's what brought me into the paranormal community originally. And I know same with Justin right. as well. And even to this day, we have those same experiences, either because of things we've done or, you know, have provoked in the past uh, or for other reasons whatsoever. So yeah. definitely just, you know, like Justin said, just you guys got to be careful. Don't provoke. It's a very, very, very dangerous. Whether you believe that you can be attacked or not, um, you'll still be attacked. I mean, it's Especially for beginners, regardless. But as you said, you know, the guys on Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, they they found a way out of it. But that's not a guarantee that if you do provoke whatever these things are, whether they're ghosts, whether they're demons, whether they're some type of interdimensional entity that you don't want to mess with, um, I wouldn't want to take that risk. As Eric said, him and I have both um, had bad things happen because we tried to provoke something. Um and that's kind of a good way to segue into another investigation that we did. But to finish up with the uh, the uh, bar investigation, um, I think, again, I don't think we got any EVPs there. We had plenty of personal experiences. Um, when we were finally said and done, we had to go to our clients and be like, we don't have anything substantial. There were no EVPs. There were no no pictures of any kind, though we did have plenty of pictures. There was nothing that we could say was uh, paranormal in nature. Um, one of the experiences happened with me and Eric and our guest that was with us. Um, we were sitting in the corner, a corner on the bar where where the bar is, and um, we were just getting this very heavy feeling, very hard to breathe, very cold at times but very very heavy and if you don't know what we're talking about just google paranormal investigations it's one of the the uh signs that people get when they're having personal experiences with the haunting um and i'm do you remember that part of it where we were sitting next to the bar on i the most bar? certainly do yeah we had the k2 meter and we were messing with that as well as i think do we have a metal meter as well can't remember I don't remember if we had a melmeter on that one. I know we, we had definitely the, had a K2. Uh, K2. Oh yeah, we did have a melmeter because my friend that was the guest had yeah. the, had the melmeters. Um, and I were we? I think we were getting some. Um, oh yeah, we we're getting high spikes. We we're getting big spikes. Um, there were a couple times where it started getting a little cold. Uh, we started getting that uneasy feeling. Uh, and, and for those of you. Uh, 
uh, like Justin was just saying, you know, look it up to see what it is to feel something, you know, happening. Um, it, it's almost as if the atmosphere changes. Sometimes you feel it in your chest or in your stomach. Uh, sometimes it's a nauseous feeling. Sometimes you get like a scent of rot, rotting, rotten eggs, for example, um, or like the softer smell. Um, sometimes it's a headache. Sometimes it's a dizziness. There's a number of different things that more or less attribute to uh, a paranormal experience starting up or, or something weird happening. And we had not only the experience itself, but like we just said, the K2 meter also started picking up as well and giving us uh, readings, which we didn't have beforehand. And we even, you know, at the beginning of each of our investigations, we would go in and we would kind of do a full sweep with a K2 meter or an EMF meter of some sort uh, to get an yeah. idea of what everything is. So later on, if we pick something up, it, like if my EMF meter bottoms out at zero the, at the beginning, and then all of a sudden we're getting one, you know, a spike at one or two, starts beeping on us, we know there's something interesting going on. You know, yeah. because EMF isn't going to just start traveling in all of a sudden unannounced. It'll be there already at the beginning of the investigation. Um, and also gives you an idea of, you know, if you're feeling a little odd at some point within the investigation, you might be in a high EMF area, you know, like around an electrical output or a box that's giving out high EMF readings, which will cause you to get dizzy or even give you that nauseous feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, and that kind of thing can always be debunked. Yeah, high EMF does not necessarily mean uh, paranormal, guys. High EMF can come from outlets. It can, can come from um, electronics, <laughs> TVs, and whatnot. So... And yeah. I think I think we got high EMF off of those outlets because it was such an old building, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of uh, spikes on EMF pretty much everywhere we went. Uh, I know in the basement, I didn't really use EMF that much because down there it was just EMF like all the time. Like no matter where you went, there was some kind of spike. Um, and at those points, there's, there's at those times, I should say, there's really no point in using the EMF meters because you never know what's legit and what isn't. So at that point, it's basically just eyes, ears, and camera. Yeah. So I think, again, even downstairs, it was just personal experiences. Um, I don't remember if there was really any heavy air feeling, but there were noises. Um some of them we debunked because there were people above us, obviously, um, walking and, and doing their part of the investigation. Uh, some of them we just could not we could not debunk it as being not paranormal. Not to say that mm-hmm. it was paranormal. We just couldn't say that's that's explainable. That was just a weird experience. Um, right. I'm, I'm gonna. To... Uh, as you're thinking, I'm gonna go ahead and yeah, grab a trail because you know me, I like to rabbit trail. <laughs> so as we're talking, I'm just sitting here on Facebook, you know, in case anyone like had any questions or anything about the show. Um, and so I'm scrolling around and I come across two things that made me actually laugh. The first one, <laughs> this one's by. Uh, uh, this is just a suggested post by Everyday Life. This is a topic. The, the spot, you know, the headline, 18 really weird things people do while pooping. 
<laughs> yeah, that was a little weird. Um, Wouldn't that be weird to start an investigation while you're on the on the toilet? That would be weird. <laughs> and then there'd be a noise like, oh, no, that was just gas. So, <laughs> and make sure you mark that so you don't figure it out. All right, the second right. one that I saw, and for those of you who are sports fans out there, are probably like, what the heck? Um, there's a picture of two devils wrapped in blankets in hell, and hell has icicles all over the place and it's blue. Uh, hell froze over, right? The yeah. devil turn the one devil turns to the other and says, "Browns are in first place." <laughs> Browns. I knew I knew that's where that was going. I knew exactly <laughs> where that was going. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, if yeah. and if hell froze over, that would be a blessing for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Clevelanders, seeing as the Browns are in first place. But um, I don't, I don't remember too much more about that investigation. The more I was trying to think about it, as you're going off trail there, um, nothing else really sticks out in my mind for that one. Yeah, there wasn't much. I know when I was in the basement, I had I don't know if you remember, but there was this one area or this one room. All right, we walk down the hall, and you might remember the hall, um, yeah. which you go back by like the water tanks and whatnot. But on our way to the water tank, there's a there's a room off to the left if you're walking towards the back, and within that room there was like a a workshop. There's like a workshop, so there's a work table there um, uh, for using the hammers and screws and everything like that. And then behind that was a wall, and the wall had a like a gate, up, almost like a chain link fence that was right, blocking yeah. it up uh, and it was slightly open and it, this wall was opened and you can actually go in there and I don't know how far it went but it was just full of rubble and stuff and you can actually crawl back a good ways um, and we didn't go in there because we weren't allowed to but there were a number of times that I walked past that room and got a really weird feeling and I had gone in there because of that weird feeling and I was always drawn to that particular area where this wall was broken open and I had never got any type of response from the, in the EVP or anything like that. Never got any good pictures. Yeah. Um, but it was something, you know, this particular investigation was just all about feeling. It was what we were feeling when we were walking around. And sometimes when you're investigating, that's all you get, personal experiences. And that's all. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can't tell you, – you could tell you know, the client that, hey, we had a bunch of personal experiences. This is what happened. But we don't have any evidence to support those claims, so we can't tell you that it is or isn't haunted. It's just, it just is, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was about all. I know we were we were originally meant to stay there until the wee hours of the morning, like we normally do. We ended up leaving around two because the clients started getting tired, and yeah, it, we just weren't picking up anything at all. So we cut the the uh, the thing short. Um, and I know that was a Sunday night investigation for us, which was very hard doing Sunday night investigations. Yeah. Uh, and it was raining that night as well, on top of it all. So it was a pain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that wasn't one of our best investigations. And I think so far, the way we're doing this is we're going in order from the least experiences and what we caught to the most crazy investigations that we've done. Yeah, um, well... Um... And this next one that I'm going to bring up um, actually happened before the other ones because it was um, before 
our groups are getting like mm-hmm. indoor ones. Um, okay. I think I know. But this uh, we have um, a caller. I, I believe it's Jerry. Um, and I have a question mark next to it. So I think she has a question or has a personal experience to share. So okay. let's get her on air. Um, hi, Jerry. How are you? And how are you guys doing? Doing good. Good. Doing good. We had a question mark next to your number, so we wanted to see if there was something you wanted to share, or maybe you hit it by accident. I don't know. Uh, well, I might have hit it by accident. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> well, I I, <laughs> I had a question, and I wanted to share uh, something that happened to me. Um, well, uh, Ted and I uh, lived in St. Cloud, which is by Orlando, Florida, and um, we were there maybe about three to six months when our neighbor decided to freak me out by sharing, oh, Jerry, by the way, I just wanted to let you know that that the uh, beautiful house that you lived in basically was a, a dream house of a of a young woman and her husband who uh, paid an architect to build their dream house. Um, and six months into her tenure there, uh, or her residency there, she passed away due to cancer, and I just thought, oh, that's heartbreaking. And then, of course, my neighbor reassured me, oh, but she, but she actually didn't die in the house. And and I kind of breathed a sort of an apprehensive sigh of relief, like, oh, okay. Um, and I'm in the same uh, belief camp as Eric, in such that, well, I think that we're in the same camp. <laughs> that I I believe that that uh, most, if not all, uh, ghost encounters are demonic in nature and then they're uh, basically masquerading as ghosts because mm-hmm. uh, basically I believe that, you, you know, this, what the scriptures state, you know, it's appointed for a man to die once or a woman to die once and that's basically judgment either right. with the Lord in heaven or, or in hell, basically. So anyway, um, you know, I didn't think anything of it uh, at the time, but then it starts the the thought was sort of unnerving that this was a a woman's dream house and she died untimely. And since then, uh, some weird things started kind of happening. So around, I believe, 2007, I was just chilling, just relaxing in the living room. And uh, the the guest bedroom was like probably... (laughs) To, uh, to my right a little bit, like at the, the 2 o'clock um, position. And uh, I I thought that Ted was uh, in that guest bedroom, and he walked by the entryway. And and I, I said, I called out to him. I said, Ted, Ted, are you there? And um, he didn't respond. Um, in fact, he responded from another part of the house altogether. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit, but I didn't think anything of it. And so nothing really happened, but, um, oh, actually, no. The second thing that happened was um, I think a a few months after that or a few weeks after that, I was in um, that same guest bedroom, and I was on the computer, and then I I heard a slight knock on the window. And I'm thinking, okay, so what exactly – who or what exactly was that? You know, I thought, well, could it have been a rock, a pebble – you know, or if so, why would it, you know, fly horizontally on the window? You know, and it, it just sounded like a knock, you know. And that was kind of bizarre. And um, and then the last thing that happened in the house was um, we were moving out 
um, in, I believe, September of 08. And um, it was during the daytime, around, I don't know, 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And uh, so we, we packed our last box, and we were about ready to head out. And then all of a sudden, we heard this, the bathroom went, uh, shower door slam. And I thought, that's strange. And, you know, the thought starts swirling around, like, okay, what's going on here? Is it something paranormal or what? So I go into our uh, master bathroom, and lo and behold, the uh, bathroom shower door is closed. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe it just happened to slam itself closed, you know. But then I I actually opened it, and it was one of those uh, bathroom shower doors where there wasn't a spring. So in other words, if you opened it up, say, 45 degrees out, you know, it's not going to shut slowly or quickly by itself. You have to to use force to to sh- shut it or to pull it pull it closed or push it closed. I thought, huh, okay, this is really strange. And Ted didn't think anything of it. And I, you know, since we were so busy, it just went over my head. But then I started thinking about all these different string of strings of occurrences. And I thought, I wonder if something paranormal was occurring. You know, um, but anyway, uh, and then so my my question. Uh, would be, are you guys ever kind of concerned that maybe going into a a haunted house or a so-called haunted house that maybe, you know, a spirit or spirits, you know, be they demonic or be they uh, actually of a departed spirit, um, you know, I, I guess it depends on your belief system. I think it's demonic, but, you know, that anyway, that an entity, whatever it is, attaches itself to you and starts you know, bothering, oppressing you guys. Do you ever, are you ever concerned about that? Because I, that's the reason why I've never done anything like that before is because honestly, I don't want to open myself up to something that could possibly be demonic and then get oppressed. You know, I have enough spiritual warfare going on. You know what I mean? Um, so that's my question to you guys. Um, well, like Eric and I said, uh, I mean, if you know how to protect yourself, it's not necessarily something to worry about because if you worry about it, you're just going to bring it on yourself to begin with because whatever that thing is, is going to detect that you're scared. Um, sure. One thing that I, I will share, because um, this was this is kind of an addendum to the serial killer house. Uh, it was after the investigation. We got back to Eric's house. I'm like, dude, I'm exhausted. I'm going home. Um, I just felt like there was something still there with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I um, I got to my car, and I'm like, before I go, since I'm feeling like this, I need to do something. So I did the St. Michael's Prayer, um, and I said, Whoever this is, you need to leave. And I verbally heard somebody say, see you later, Justin. And that was it. I felt a hundred times better. Nothing followed me home because I never had anything happen after that. But just to show that things can follow you home, that... That freaked me out to the point to be like, yes, I need to be way more careful about um, making sure that I'm protecting myself. Even after an investigation, most people will say the St. Michael's Prayer and um, do these things before the investigation. But you also have to close that door, so to speak, and 
make sure nothing is going to follow you by doing the same thing. Protect yourself whatever way you did at the beginning at the end um, because you will bring something home with you. I mean, it's it's a given. I had a, had an issue with it. Eric said in, in, um, earlier that he too had had things happen like that. Um, wh- what is your intake on that, Eric? Um, all right, so for me, this something that me and Justin had always done before going into investing, not always, we started doing eventually, uh, we would gather as a group, us and our team, and we would do the St. Michael's prayer or some kind of prayer. And that was before I really realized what it meant to be saved and going to doing prayers that weren't um, repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's hard to say, but to be open and honest, I have never really been that scared of bringing something home, mostly because of the things that I've witnessed beforehand, uh, before getting into the investigation thing. And quite frankly, which is not a good thing, my heart even now is hardened towards it. So I just don't really care one way or the other, which is really bad. Um, mm-hmm. just being, I'm just being open. Um, and it's something I need to work on personally. However, <clears throat> you have to keep in mind what your faith is. People who believe in Jesus Christ and constantly lean on him may not be, well, it can go both ways. They may not be as affected and may not have something follow them home. Then again, they may have something very strong follow them home because that whatever it is is going to want to try and bring you low and take you away from God. Um, so for me personally, I'm not really scared of it just because I think I've been around it so much um, and I trust God will protect me the entire way. Um, but that's not that's not good. That's not like for everybody, you know. Like if you if you feel uncomfortable by any means, then yeah, you shouldn't be doing an investigation because that on um, that little bit of lack of comfort a demon will see and it will take a chance and do what's got to do to affect you and follow you home and do whatever um so yeah i would definitely be careful i I mean if you're convicted about it i would pray about it and stay away you know we've been telling people this entire episode don't go into an investigation until you completely understand or are aware of what the effects could be uh and what you're dealing with so, so yeah, I would just pray on it and keep an open conscience towards God. And if you feel him saying no, then, yeah, you stay away and don't trust right. a spirit. You know, they're not afraid. Just because you're God's doesn't mean they're going to back down. If anything, they'll hit you harder. So. Sure. I also wanted to share um, actually another person's experience, and it really had to piggyback with regards to what you guys were saying with the uncomfortable feeling and and the the change in temperature to mm-hmm. almost like above freezing. Um, yes. Well, my my friend um, told me that um, well a couple experiences that his mother passed away. This is many years ago. He told me that his mother passed away, and then. She used to wear a certain perfume, and I guess he was in the kitchen, and then um, he felt his mother walk past him, and he he smelled uh, the scent of her perfume. Mm -hmm. And the second strange thing that happened to him was, I guess he was cohabitating with his then-girlfriend at the time, um, and for whatever reason, uh, there was like a layer of icy cold, temperature around her so I guess they were lying in bed together or what have you um, and 
he put his hand above her, maybe about a foot above her, and it was warm, about room temperature. Mm-hmm. But then when he hovered his hand right above her skin, it was just almost icy cold. And, it, you know, I mean, I guess it could be that maybe her body, you know, at night while sleeping, you know, could emit this, you know, cold temperature. But that's a little right. strange you know, to have a body that's supposed to be 98.6, you know, emit, you know, 32-degree temperatures, you know, where, you know, he could, uh, I think he said he might have even seen in his breath, like uh, hovering, you know, uh, in the air, in the atmosphere right around her. And mm-hmm. he, he, he actually said he's kind of a nominal believer. He actually said that he, he felt that it was an evil spirit. And mm-hmm. uh, and I thought, oh, that's that's quite interesting, you know, coming from somebody who is not really religious per se, you know, to say that. Um, so anyway, that was just something I wanted to say. And then I've also seen shows inadvertently that was on TV. Not that I was, you know, really looking to watch Ghost Adventures or whatever, but just something that mm-hmm. was on TV. You know, was at the salon. You know, the people had you know, had the show on, and and it was weird because this one show, it had it was like a reenactment or a dramatization of what, uh, like a a house deliverance or house exorcism was. I mean, kind of like the clients that told, you know, had asked for your paranormal investigation help. They, uh, there was a priest that went into the home and, um, or deliverance minister. I forget. Anyway, it was somebody that was a deliverance minister of some sort. I don't know if he was a Catholic faith or Christian faith or both or whatever. Um, or maybe he was just a paranormal investigator. I forget. Anyway, I think there was a, a team of investigators. I think it was paranormal plus somebody who was, uh, of the Christian faith too, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of a, a what had happened is kind of a mixture of what you uh, what you both believe, uh, Justin and Eric. Um, so, so the person that was um, of, that was the the faith based minister, I, I forget, um, had had stated, look, you, I think he was Catholic. Okay, I think he was a priest. All right, he he had stated, look, you can't exercise a house, but you can exercise a person. So we need unfortunately we need a person to be bait quote-unquote bait and i thought oh boy here we go you know um here i am fascinated while you know getting my nails done you know watching this like i was glued they're like are you okay and i was like totally glued with my mouth open you know um and so anyway um so they actually had a young woman there and uh you know that so somehow some way they and I'm not saying that this is right spiritually. Mm-hmm. I really don't think what they did was right. Okay, but they somehow they they opened her up to her spiritually. They opened her up to inviting and allowing and opening the door up to uh, ghosts uh, and demonic entities. You know, there were like mainly like the people or the people, but the entities that were actually speaking through this woman. Some were departed spirits and some were demons. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so they they managed successfully to rid her and supposedly the house of these entities, all of them. Uh, there were there were hundreds of them, you know, uh, d- some demonic entities, like I said, some departed spirits, allegedly. Uh, I I mean I think they're all demonic entities anyway. But but that's what they were portraying on the show. Um, and I just thought, wow, that's and, and then also the same thing that the the, the temperature just plummeting to you know almost freezing temperatures. Um, and of course, it wasn't like that, you know, inside or outside. It was, it was, you know, probably seventies or sixties or whatever. So, just wanting to just add to your experiences as well. Yeah, you know, I, I do. Want, I want to comment on that actually, real quick, because the idea that you can't exercise a house but can only exercise a person is a false statement 
completely. I think so too. Um, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, if you if there's a demonic entity in any space whatsoever, it can be exercised from that particular area um, because it's inhabiting something at you know in some way, uh, and you you can almost think of someone's like a person being God calls the body a temple. And so to think, you know, when someone is possessed, for example, the demon is using them as a house. Um, mm-hmm. So in a sense, to say that their house, you know, if there's a haunting, a demonic haunting, they're still possessing the house itself. Maybe not the person, you know, the person, but they're possessing the house and therefore affecting the people and doing all that they can to afflict, to afflict them. Uh, so, yeah, I completely disagree with whatever they were saying about not being able to exercise the house because it has been done. Uh, right. I I have done it in the past. Um, and so I know, you know, from personal experience that it can be done. So, yeah, that's a little right. weird. I don't I know there's a lot of shows that will show, show that kind of thing and make you believe one thing when it's not the truth. And it's just, you know, uh, what a lot of people don't get is, like, when you think of Ghost of uh, Hunters, for example, um, it's showbiz. That's that's what it is. And I'm saying that they don't catch things that they show us. You know, I'm sure they have real experiences. But with Ghost Hunters, there's also a lot of times that that's all been faked. You know, and I've, I've actually watched an episode uh, where I caught them faking evidence before and sure. I'm going to go out, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it because it's true. I saw it. I rewound it because I had DVR and I watched it seven, eight times, got my sister in there, watched it another three or four times. They fake evidence. It's showbiz. So, you know, it, it's just right. one person's opinion. If someone doesn't believe you can exercise the house, they'll never be able to exercise the house. You know, you have to have the right. faith to be able to do it. So, Right. But no, yeah, I agree. When I saw that, I was... I was thinking, well, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with what I've experienced, what I've seen, what I've read, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, Christian theology as as well as just, you know, uh, regular paranormal stuff. Well, I, I have heard that you can exercise a house for sure, and you can tell them to leave in Jesus' name, um, and they won't return if the house is filled, whether it's a spiritual, you know, whether it's a physical house, like a, the body, or a house house. Right. Yeah, and there's actually um, in in the book of Matthew, and I'm actually looking it up right now because I don't know the exact um, uh, the exact verse, so I'm checking right now. But Jesus does mention mention that yeah, I, I'm typing the word Matthew as I was saying mention, so I said Matthew. <laughs> um, but Jesus does mention that basically. You can cast out an evil spirit from a house, and if that house, you know, if that house doesn't take in the new spirit that is the Holy Spirit, the demon will come back after circling the world, find that house clean and swept up, go out, find seven more demons more powerful than itself, and take possession of that house again. And then the state of that house is worse than it was before. Um, and you know, a lot of people will say that's figurative speech, which it could very well could be. And you know, Jesus here is talking about. Uh, somebody being possessed, but I think it can mm-hmm. also be considered a literal translation as well, in which someone's house sure. was haunted, you know, in some way. And I know there's a lot of people out there that might argue that, but you know, just right there in Scripture, you know, and I go by Scripture a lot when it comes to this kind of thing. Uh, and Jesus, he covers demonology and exorcisms and stuff like that 
more than anyone in this world could possibly cover it um, okay. in a very good detail. So, yeah, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. going to go with what Scripture says. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we'll take our next break here. Um, it's about halfway through. So, uh, folks, stay with us. You're listening to Paratruth Radio right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back in just a minute or two. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? In the forest near the side of the road. No need for alarm, sir. The forest is where bears live. But this was no ordinary bear. No ordinary bear? At one second, I'm having a smoke taken in the view. Next thing I know, I am face-to-face with Smokey Bear. Let me guess. Smokey had a tip for you. He did. He must have seen me toss my cigarette on the ground. He told me never to do that because it only takes one spark to start a wildfire. He's a smart bear. Did you know that nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans? That means nine out of ten wildfires can be prevented. That's what Smokey Smokey said. I had no idea. That's why Smokey's famous, and you're not. Good point. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference, because nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. Ladies and gentlemen, sublimely elegant here as always, and you are listening to Parrot Truth Radio. All right, folks, welcome back to Parrot Truth Radio right here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And I was having some nostalgia for the Super Mario, so I I played the win the level for Super Mario. So, um, you know what? I talk- heard it. I just gotta say, I heard it, and it didn't even process until you just mentioned that it was Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still zoned out right now. I'm trying to find this thing. So before you go on, I just want to. I'm going to read this scripture right quick. Is one I just mentioned, um, yeah. just to give you know an accurate description here. Um, it was Matthew chapter 12 verses 43 to 45. Uh, and there's a number of different versions of this passage, of course. Um, this one comes from the English Standard Version Bible. It says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will, re- I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also it will be with this evil generation. Um, the one thing I want to mention in regards to this particular passage, it, when it says that the spirit went out and then came back and found the house empty, swept, and put in order, when somebody is exercised of a demon, one of the main things that a a pastor, a priest, you know, some kind of minister will do, that's a Christian uh, minister, will ask that person and lead that person to accept Christ. Because then the Holy Spirit comes into that person, and a demon is not able to, no matter how hard it tries, to possess that person ever again with the Holy Spirit within them. Um, So if a person doesn't accept Christ after being exercised of a demon, that demon will come back at some point and take possession again, and it will be much worse. So just a little bit of theology, throwing it out there. Well, um, look at people who do investigation and they bring a quote-unquote demonologist with them. 
mm-hmm. and they quote unquote clear a house and everything's okay for a while after the investigation and then the haunting starts happening again about tenfold what it was before. Oh yeah. So yeah, I mean, there is a lot of truth yeah, there's a lot of truth in that passage right there. Uh, whether you're a believer or not a believer, if you're just a paranormal investigator, you have no faith, whatever the case may be, that passage right there kind of goes along the same lines of what a paranormal investigator will come across if they get somebody who claims to be a demonologist. If And here's the thing, folks. If you're a demonologist, great, more power to you. But for people... Um, who have a faith or even know a little bit about demonology, demonologists are actually priests or ministers who have been taught to, to do uh, exorcisms and everything else. A Joe Schmo who studies demons and studies the stuff that priests and ministers study to do demonology and demonologists and then call themselves demonologists, are not demonologists because they haven't gone through the ministry part of it to understand that part of it. Well, and you know, and I, I agree and disagree. Um, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are, well, for not lack of a better word, but you know, a lot of people consider it religion. Um, so there's a lot of people who aren't religious, a lot of people who don't have faith in Christ, um, who are demonologists. You know, and by no means will they say, "Oh yeah, I'm uh, someone who believes in God." They're just people who go out and, you know, try to cast out demons. Right. Um, right. And in the Bible, it talks about those type of people—people people who come to God and say, "Lord, Lord, did we not cast out many demons in Your name?" Uh, and Jesus says, "I never knew you." Simple as that, because they were never truly Christians. Simply put, when you cast out a demon in Jesus' name and you're not saved, or you are saved, Jesus' name alone is powerful enough to cast out a demon. So no, you don't have to be saved to cast out a demon. But by no means do you have protection from that demon later on either. Because if you don't have truly have a faith in Christ, you're vulnerable to attack, uh, or to be attacked. So also though, the scriptures say that every single believer, every Christian believer, is a priest. And we are called priests within the Bible. And Jesus said that those of us who are disciples and who are followers of Christ have the strength and power to cast out demons. And we are told to do that, uh, as well as leading the world to Christ. So as a Christian believer, as long as you're mature in your faith, means that you don't become means that you become saved, and after you become saved, you spend several years learning about God and understanding, you know, his truths and his word, his commands. And then you build the strength and the Holy Spirit leads you to cast out a demon. Then you can do that. Um, you have that power. But as a new well, believer or someone who isn't a believer at all, you have to be very careful because you are vulnerable. That's what I mean, yeah. uh, you can be attacked. And let's face it. We said. Oh, oh, crud. I lost Eric folks. So we'll get him back on here in a minute. Um, but just to clarify what he was saying, if you are a, a believer and believe in Jesus Christ and all that, uh, believe in God, you have that power to cast out a demon. And I agree with him. Um, I was just saying 
people, you know, Joe Schmo off the street who studies demons and what have you, um, don't have that that same thing because they're not protected. And he's back. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I don't know when I dropped out there, so I was just you talking. Just I was, up. You were just um, finishing up saying that okay. um, people who don't have faith aren't as protected that Right. That people who don't have faith and people who are very new to the faith have to be very wary of what they're doing and whether or not they're, you know, casting out demons is a very, very dangerous thing to do. Um, yeah. Even it shows in, there's, in the Bible there have been disciples that were attacked by a demon uh, because they didn't have the faith strong enough, you know, or didn't do it pr- properly. Uh, so you just have to be very careful. And again, honestly, in my opinion, I would leave any casting out of demons, any exercising uh, to Christians. I know that I know for a lot of you that aren't Christians, you're probably upset with that comment. But. Well, I just mean, I just think if you're not in that mindset in general, if you have no belief system whatsoever, you're not going to be able to do anything about an, an oppressive spirit, demon, whatever you believe it is. Because you, you, you really don't have an empowering part of yourself to do it. Um, right. So with that being said, we'll segue into our, our next couple investigations here. Um, one of two of them popped in my head. The first one that popped in my head that I said uh, that we did before um, we started getting into, into uh, building investigations and another one that popped into my head when we were talking to Jerry Um now I lost it. Which one? Oh, uh, <laughs> the the one of them that I was thinking of it was just me and Eric. We had just started doing investigations, and um, we went to Columbus. Uh, <clears throat> there was um, a couple of areas there, like public areas um, that were um, Civil War. Uh, there was a Civil War cemetery there, and there was a um museum there that had supposedly had paranormal activity there uh one of the best evps that i've gotten as a got as an a paranormal investigator investigator wow um, a little too much wine there justin uh, it's too much wine probably and i'm starting to get tired um <laughs> we were at this place where what is called the gray lady has been seen. Um, it was a civil war, uh, cemetery. Um, we went to where we thought the grave was that she would stand in front of was, um, and we put the, the, uh, recorder on, on the grave just so that way we didn't have to hold it and everything. And, um, I forget how we worded it, but we were basically saying, you know, we heard that there's a gray lady here. Is that true? Um, There was probably a couple other questions in there, but um, we got, or I got a man's voice that I heard say, she's not here right now. And I don't remember if you remember hearing it or not. Um, it was just on the EVP, not audible to <laughs> our ears. Um, and it took a while for me to 
kind of get it to where you can hear what this person was saying. But that was probably one of the better EVPs that I think we had ever gotten, um, except mm-hmm. for your one that was at the serial killer house, which you right. had said a couple shows ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't remember any f- bad feelings or anything there, but we did have another group of people come in while we were there. Um, I think they were they're doing the same thing to be honest, but I don't remember. Um, the other one that I distinctly remember something happening was we went to a lake. Um, it was a lake that had been a part of the, um, native American camps where when America was just becoming, America and uh, they were starting to move tribes out of their homes and everything and there were hangings there, there was murder there, there was rapid pillaging there and it's a dark part of our history Um, and I remember with distinct clarity having something grab my my chest, grab, almost felt like it was squeezing my heart Um, Was this the one with the Wraith? With the what? When you talk the Wraith? Yes. Okay. That supposedly had the a Wraith that was there and it was linked to, to Native American lore. Um, some people believed it was a Native American uh, spirit who had just clinged on to all the negativity that happened in that area. Um, <clears throat> and, Basically, um, it's a... Uh, like a a spirit of some sort uh, that is usually seen or is claimed to be seen in lore shortly before someone's death. It's also linked to um, a spirit. Can a wraith can also be a spirit that feeds off of the human or spiritual energy or the uh, bioetherical energy, whatever you want to call it. Um, of, of a person which leads to their death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I almost want to say that something else happened there and I can't remember it was to me. Um, but I distinctly remember the heart pulling and I had to just kind of break off for a little bit while you guys were doing whatever. Um mm-hmm. And I think that was another one where we really didn't have any physical evidence as in EVPs or pictures, just personal experiences. Um, But those two really stick out in my mind because that was pre, like, uh, major investigations for lack of a better word, because we had been doing those types of investigations when Eric and I first started the group when it was just him and I, and before we even branched out uh, with getting other team members. And that one is when we had a full team. Uh, There was five of us at that time. Um, And... Did anything else happen 
for other members? Do you remember for that spot? Um, not so much. They're not really. We used a the uh, Radio Shack Cat. Um, yeah. Which is a uh, what is that called? A ghost box. A ghost box. So use the yeah. ghost box or a spirit box, which is basically basically it's a radio that is modified to skip through frequencies. So you're constantly constantly getting white noise, um, and within that white noise, a spirit is able to manipulate uh, the frequency and speak through the box. So every word that you get from it could be from a spirit, and Unfortunately, the Radio Shack hack is not something that you really use or present as evidence. It's kind of more of a personal use when you're on an investigation yeah. uh, to see if there will be – to basically see if it will coincide with questions that you ask. Um, I know there's been, there were several questions we asked in which the voice that appeared on the box seemed to be replying to our question and answering, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so that was one thing, and that was just pure personal experience. We did catch that was very interesting, and this is cool. this is this is based off of one of the other guys actually that was in a group that we were talking about earlier. Uh, there was a picture taken pretty far into the woods. We we went on this trail. It was pitch black outside, uh, and we're going, we're just walking. And he took the picture to the left of us towards the ground uh, where the trees were starting and the the brush the brush bleh, bush and everything. And there was a green mist within the the uh, foliage there, which is really interesting because you wouldn't expect green mist to show up. And to the naked eye, there was nothing there. And there were no light sources whatsoever. But this mist appeared pretty bright on the camera. You couldn't miss it. Uh, So that was definitely something that was interesting um, and unexplainable. But, yeah, those are pretty much the only things that happened with that particular investigation. Yeah, um... I'm trying to think of anything else that might have happened during that one. Yeah, I, I I just remember my personal experience. I don't remember. I mean, I remember using the the ghost box. I remember him having that picture. Um, and now I'm going to get on a tangent about pictures because something happened with that particular member Here we with go. the picture. <laughs> at the serial killer house where he took a picture you know I, I'm gonna people are probably wondering what we mean by serial killer house or who it is we're talking about I think it's okay to go ahead and say the serial killer's name we're just not gonna say where it was at basically okay. simple as that um, so go ahead for those of you that heard the Halloween episode we, we did a, an investigation in Jeffrey Dahmer's house, uh, the house that his parents owned that he started doing his killings in before he moved to, I believe, Minneapolis. I'm not, don't quote me on that. I don't remember. Um, But um, the the house that we were in was the house that he killed his first victim in. Um, He was also known for killing and torturing small animals when he was younger. but in this house, that this particular person we are talking about here took a picture, um, and it was a picture that was in front of a circular wall mirror, um, and 
he thought something was there. So he manipulated this picture and manipulated this picture to the point to where it looked like there was a swirl of or some type of blue type of almost like a portal. If you don't know what a portal is, it's basically what people believe. We have these little um, windows into the other side. Um, And he kept insisting that this mirror was, or this particular spot was a portal to the other side. Um, And as we just said earlier, he had modified his camera or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm sorry, but when you're doing an investigation and you manipulate a picture so much that uh, something just appears there, that is not paranormal evidence by any means whatsoever. You have to be very careful who you work with. Um, I know for us, everyone that was new to our team, we actually spoke with at a particular uh, Starbucks, uh, which is the Starbucks that Justin and I always hung out at when we were discussing the paranormal stuff uh, in regards to investigations and the radio show. Um, For whatever reason, I don't know why, it was always Starbucks and then go to lunch at Chipotle. Um, Yeah. I miss those days. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we would always meet up with people and we would have in-depth interviews with each person and we would have them ask questions. They'd fill out applications uh, to give us as much information as possible just so we can get an idea of who they are and who they, you know, who they might be, how well they'd be to work with, so on and so forth. And for those of you out there thinking of starting a paranormal investigation team, that is something you want to do. And it's one thing if it's your friend, you know, like me and Justin, obviously we don't need to do any research on each other or figure out, you know, who we are because we grew up together. Uh, But, um, you know, for for those of you who are talking to or thinking of adding on uh, strangers, per se, to your group, it's very important to get those background checks, whether it's literally getting background checks on them or just having a good couple of hours to talk with them, get their views, their opinions, uh, get some information from them. You can look them up on Facebook, see what kind of stuff they post, what do they talk about. See if it's someone you really want on your team and someone you think you might be able to trust with evidence and working with clients. Because, uh, again, you got to remember, I mean, unless you're going out like we used to do and just going to random spots uh, in the public eye, such as the lake or to uh, uh some area in the woods, such as Gore Orphanage in Ohio, which is the place we went to, uh, you know, places like that is one thing. But when you're talking about going and actually working with clientele, you just went from, you know, your, your hobby of paranormal investigation to a business. And maybe you're not getting paid for that business, but it is a business. And you want to work in a very professional style, uh, make sure that people see you uh, or speak of you highly to other people. You know, they see you uh, for being a professional person because the moment that you are not professional, the moment that uh, you do something, say something, whatever it is that may be questionable, that's going to stick with you guaranteed for the rest of your time investigating. So definitely do your background checks. Be careful who you're working with. 
and don't feel obligated to, you know, if someone could be super excited to be on your investigation team, uh, you might be like, okay, well, this is really cool. I really like you. Let me just do a little more research. And you find out, you know, something crazy that you know, just you're not comfortable having them on your team. Don't feel obligated to have them on your team just because they were so excited. Um, and you said, hey, you know, you seem like you're a really good person to be on our team. Don't feel obligated. Just throw it out the window. Be like, sorry, can't be on our team, and that's it. You don't want to be stuck with those people. That's something that we didn't quite look into deep enough with some of our, you know, <laughs> members, yeah. which should have. And it, it, it ended up being a bad thing for us, uh, which we cleared up very quickly. Luckily, just and I yeah. tend to talk a lot. So it worked <laughs> out. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you don't always get so lucky. So definitely be careful when putting it together your team. All right, folks, uh, we'll take one more break here before we wrap it up. Uh, you're listening to Paratruth Radio right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Hello, everybody. Sublimely Elegant here, as always. And guess what? I know you. Well, no, we've never met, but I do know you. I know you love Minecraft. I know you love the Internet. Now, I also happen to know you love colorful language. So instead of moping around all day, why don't you head on over to my channel and satiate your deepest needs youtube.com forward slash sublimely elegant confessions of a potentially perfect parent brought to you by adoptuskids.org i might look like an adult like a person who could possibly be a parent but i have no idea how to talk like one and everyone knows that if you want to be a parent you have to sound good when you say things like don't make me turn this car around or because i said so or don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean. But I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. Oh, no, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier-hound-chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and well licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio right here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And uh, we've been talking about our old investigations that we did back, way back when. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there any other ones that you can think of uh, that are of substantial uh, 
info? Uh, yeah, I'm going to mention one. But before I do that, I just came across something else on Facebook that might be kind of funny when you think about high school uh, and the type of math, type of math questions that you would get, um, even for college. So I'm going to ask you this math question, and you you have to answer it. Um, and you got to really think out of the box here. If you have four pencils and seven apples, how many pancakes will fit on the roof? It doesn't matter because aliens don't wear hats. Ah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you saw this one? It, it actually yeah. be purple. It's purple. <laughs> or, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God, it's so true. That's the actual answers to these stupid questions that make you <laughs> fail your classes over and over again, and which is why you don't get into good colleges in the beginning. <sighs> not personal experience at all <laughs> anyway um kind of falls along the paranormal field because of uh ufos and extraterrestrials and all that good stuff but <laughs> right right um so anyway <clears throat> one of the actually one it was the very first investigation I've ever done. and it was investigation at my house Hmm. That we had uh, uh, the voice recorders, we had the uh, that's which all the equipment we had. That was it. Um, we started off by asking questions in what was, well, I guess it's still my sister's bedroom. Uh, you and I were in there. And then we also went into the basement and we're asking questions there. Now, to give you guys a bit of an idea of what, why we were investigating my house, uh, we had moved into the house. Just a couple of years before, had a you know, maybe one or two years before this, um, and my sister. Well, I didn't know my sister was experiencing it at first, but there was always this blue ball of light that would just appear out of nowhere and would float away somewhere really fast, and you would always catch it on like the corner of your eye. Well, it turned out that I wasn't the only one who saw this, but also my sisters and my um, at least my mom had seen it as well, and then one. Every time I went to bed, I would start falling asleep. And right before you, I would fall asleep. You know, you'd be in that, like, in and out zone where you're almost asleep. Yeah. You know? I would hear, I just basically what I would hear. I would hear this. Eric. Just like that. It'd be a woman's voice saying my name in a whisper, uh, but it was like a loud whisper. And it would basically jump me awake. Like, what the heck was that? And that yeah. happened for quite a few months. And finally, one night <clears throat> or one morning, it was just this conversation going on about this blue light. And I was like, you know what? This is something I've been hearing. And I explained what I heard. And right when I said, I just, I'm about to fall asleep. And all of a sudden I hear, and my sister says, Aaron, you know, like that, just like she's saying her name in that whisper. I was like, yes. How do you know that? She told me she hears the exact same thing every night as she's falling asleep. Uh, which is very interesting because it's not something that, you, you know, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, Justin and I started decided to do this investigation. Uh, and I'm not going to name the person, but there's this person who had, I believe, I don't know if she died in the house. But she was the previous owner of this house. Mm. Uh, and we called on her. And we did the EVP session. And I can't remember the exact questions we asked. Uh, I can't remember the exact answers we got. But I believe one of the questions was, how many children did you have? And when we went back on the EVP, the uh, spirit had answered with the correct number of children. And I don't remember the number offhand now, 
It was many years ago. But yeah. before asking those questions, I had already known the answers to them. So we had asked several questions, and we got answers that were correct each and every time. And I think just that in itself is partly what ended up sparking our whole investigation thing um, mm. ultimately because we're like, oh, we got this information here. You know, and like from that point on, after that investigation, it we never heard the name, our names being called anymore. We never saw the blue lights anymore. Um, and again, you know, at that point, I wasn't a Christian then, and I don't know was it demonic, was it not demonic. You know, I'm I'm not going to say one way or the other. Uh, again, I believe that all hauntings are demonic, um, but I'm not going to lie; they're questionable at times. You yeah, know, I'm just I'm not always sure, and that's okay to not always be sure. Uh, but that was definitely the very first investigation we did, and we had pretty hard evidence uh, from that investigation. So I think just on that alone, I mean, it's probably one of of all the investigations we did, that's probably one that stands out the most just because it was our first one. And it was pretty exciting, too, to go back and hear it, you know, on the EBT. Yeah. <clears throat> but... Yeah, I, it's hard to remember that one because it's been so long. Yeah, it's been a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a long time. Because um, that, that investigation, we, we didn't start investigating until after the radio show, right? Or was it before? I, um, I think we started the radio show first, and we had been announcing on several shows that you know, we're going to start doing investigations. You know, when we do okay. investigations, we'll we'll share evidence with you if we get any. Okay, so that was mm, maybe like spring of 2008, I believe. So, I mean, it's been about six years approximately. Mm. Uh, a little less than six years since that those times. And it's hard to remember exactly everything that happened, but, you know, there's there's points throughout each and every investigation I think that we did where something stands out. And yeah. I know tonight we haven't discussed every investigation we've done, but we have discussed those particular, like there, there's things that happened at the Jeffrey Dahmer house that we discussed last week um, and the week before, you know, there, there's things that's happened at other places uh, that I'm not going to mention now just because there's no point. Um, but we, we, we've discussed them in the past with you guys. And I'm sure we'll discuss them in the future. There's so many different things that have happened, and two hours honestly isn't enough to just kind of sit there and discuss all of it, especially if somebody yeah. is kind of blocked like in the back of our minds and it has to come forth for us to remember. But, uh, yeah, I think in the end, just uh, we have ooh, 20 minutes still for the show, mm -hmm. folks. Uh, so I'm just going to say, like, when it comes down to it, you're thinking of investigating. You're thinking of starting a new paranormal team. Uh, even you're thinking of getting into radio, the radio show business like we are and talking about paranormal stuff. One thing that is very, very important, whether you're Christian or not Christian, is to have your facts right. Yeah. Do your research. Get an understanding of what you're dealing with and what you're talking about. Because if you don't know what you're talking about, you're going to get stumped by somebody and they're going to see you as not being, um, well, I guess one, you know, you might not be considered professional because you really don't know what you're doing and you'd be considered yeah. incompetent too, you know? Um, 
but also by not knowing what you're dealing with, you will get yourself in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Period. I mean, and not just with people. I'm talking about spiritual trouble uh, in particularly. Yeah. Because when you're walking into something and you can't, you know, like for me, I walk into every house assuming it's demonic, you know, so I always had that mindset. But for those of you who walk into a house thinking, oh, this could be demonic, it could be just a human spirit, if you're not balancing those options and you walk in there thinking it's just human and it ends up being demonic, chances are you're going to find yourself in a bit of trouble there. And it's going to hit you quicker and harder than you imagined. And at that point, it's going to be too late. So just be very aware of what you're dealing with, uh, what you're talking about, what you're investigating. Ask as many questions as possible when you're talking with clientele. Um, I know it's it's very personal at times when asking questions. I know Justin and I have asked people uh, about whether or not they've been on drugs, uh, what kind of medications they're taking, whether they drink. You know, they're very personal questions, things that people don't want to expose at times too, depending on drinking, for example, or what kind of drugs they're taking. Uh, But when it comes to giving an accurate portrayal as to what is going on and really understanding the environment that you're in, it's important to give those questions. And that's why we always had documentation, to be professional, to show them, hey, we're going to have this on file. Are you okay with this? And after you give us all this information, we're going to record you, get everything we can about you. We need you to sign this, stating that, you know, we disclosed all these things with you and assure them and make sure that you do exactly what you tell them that you will not expose them publicly by any means that everything will be kept confidential because I guarantee if anything is that's supposed to be confidential leaks out, you will be called out for it. Someone will find out about it and then you'll find yourself in that own. I mean, then at that point, forget the spiritual trouble. Now you're in legal trouble and you've got even worse problems on your hand. Not not even worse, but you've got bad problems on your hand. Right? <laughs> um, you know, physically speaking, uh, spiritual speaking, that's the worst you can get. So be careful there. Uh, well, even if even if you are doing a show and you want to use Joe Schmo's house as a part of your show, using even EVPs and stuff, the legality of it is is ask them: Is it okay if we use these EVPs, have them sign a waiver saying, yes, it's okay that so-and-so paranormal society or paranormal investigations uses our stuff in on their website or on their blog show or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think we did, if we were even thinking about using their stuff on the show, um, <laughs> have that in our contracts. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And when it comes down to writing contracts, you make it as specific as possible. Right. Because if there's any leak whatsoever, anything that you miss and you end up crossing that line, it will be a problem for you legally. So, yeah, definitely take take a while to work on that, on that contract. And I believe, like, when we started the contract thing, um, we had to revise it several times, even after talking to people, we had to continue to, to revise it. And we're like, oh, we should ask this question or that question or, you know, yeah. this or that. And we needed to update it, make it bigger, make it longer. It doesn't matter how long, I mean, don't make it a hundred pages, you know, yeah. try to fit everything into a page if you can, two or three at the most, but just make sure that you, 
you hit every broad spectrum when it comes to uh, the investigating thing and the whole contract thing and asking people questions. Because information is the most, probably your best ally in the end when it comes to doing these investigations. Well, kind of legal when we were getting team members and stuff, we had a written agreement basically saying, this is what we expect of you. Do you agree or, you know, if you agree, you get to, you sign this paper saying you agree to it. And um, as you said earlier, maybe we kind of jumped the gun with one or two of the people that we had interviewed in the process um, before we had them sign that paper. And we were like, yeah, let's get him on. Let's give him the, the paper to, to, uh, to sign. And um, that can get you in a lot of legal trouble too. If you're having them sign an agreement and in their eyes, they're following everything that you put on paper and to a T um, luckily it did not get us in trouble, but it can get you into trouble because that's basically a contract. Um, so as Eric said, definitely do research on who you're investigating with, as well as how to do an investigation, where you're doing an investigation, how to protect yourself. Um, look into different types of equipment that you can use. There's hundreds now of different things you can use to do a paranormal investigation. Mm -hmm. Um, and make sure that everything that you're looking into is legit. Um, I mean, I would suggest starting basic, start like we did with the EVPs and the, uh, uh, the EMF detectors. Start with those two things. It's very basic. They're very cheap. You maybe spend around 30 bucks total. If that, if you go on eBay, it's a lot cheaper. Right. But start with that because, you know, a lot of people want to get into investigating. And then when they do, they have all this equipment and they end up realizing they don't like it very much or they don't have the time to do it because they work a full-time job during the day and they have to work another eight hours throughout the night. You yeah. get tired after a while. Me and Justin had to do that several occasions where we would, you know, go out and investigate Friday night and then end up having to work Saturday morning uh, or yeah. Sunday night and having to work Monday morning. And it was terrible. Um, so definitely be careful and just start off with the cheapest equipment you have, do some basic investigations, get a hang of it, get an idea of what you're doing, and then go from there. And as you pick up experience, buy something new that'll help you out. Um, when it comes to going out and actually investigating, and this is just something I'm throwing out there again, getting back to the legal aspect of it all, say there's an abandoned house you know, somewhere nearby, you want to investigate it, you want to check it out, do yourself a favor. Don't go into that property and investigate the house without getting proper permission. You can find out who owns the house. There are ways to do it. You can look it up online You go to the police station and go to the library, wherever you need to go, find out who owns it, contact them and ask, ask them if it's okay that you go there uh, and then have the contract ready. So you can prove that you're not there to destroy the house, but just to perform the investigation. Uh, if no one owns it, Talk to the police department. Let them know. Um, let neighbors know as well. Because if you talk to the owner of the house, you go and investigate, and the neighbors don't know, they may see flashlights and call the police on you. And then it yeah. doesn't matter. At, at that particular moment, the police are there to investigate and even arrest people who are intruders. Um, so until you clarify everything and you show them the document, 
work, which is why documents are very important here in contracts. Uh, you can show them that stuff and get it, you know, be let go and continue your investigation. Just be very, very careful with stepping on a private property. You know, if it's a public property, if it's a park, if it's, you know, like we've done, that's fine. Mm. You don't have to contact anyone about that. It's public property. But when you're going into private residence and you're going into abandoned houses or buildings, don't be an idiot. Don't be childish. Just do the right thing. Find the people who own the place and get their permission to do it. It'll save you a lot of time and trouble. And I guarantee well, if you don't get caught that time, you will get caught eventually. So. Yeah. A lot of times, like, um, there are abandoned um, TB clinics and whatnot. Most of the time, though, whatever land that that's on, um, there are owners of that land who basically own that building now because it's on their property. Um, so, or it can even be, um, um, the city, the city owns the property. Um, Jerry did want to make a quick comment and, uh, Mm -hmm. we got about 10 minutes, so we'll get her on the air. (laughs) Um, all right, Jerry, go ahead. What would you like to say? Jerry, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, we can. I can hear you now. Okay, great. Sorry. Um, uh, what I wanted to add was um, to your experiences when you went ghost hunting um, with seeing the blue light that represented the spirit mm-hmm. was um, I was listening to another radio broadcast uh, by Hagman and Hagman, and there was an ex-Illuminati uh, member who was actually born into it. He was like a seventh-generation Illuminati member who was uh, slated to be, and he was a warlock or witch or what have you on his 13th birthday, and they slit his. Um, he was supposed to slit uh, his uh, arm, and and that's what happened. And you know, and and he at that point he was involved since he was like three years old in various um, Luciferian satanic ceremonies, um, mm-hmm. basically uh, conjuring up and. Uh, sacrificing to and placating uh, demonic entities. With So basically um, what they were doing was, uh, you know, like like I said, conjuring up uh, demonic spirits. Um, but of course, you know, to the, the satanic people, demonic spirits were um, their angels, um, and they, they see the holy angels as, as the demons. They see the demons as their, as their angels, you know, so it's completely mm-hmm. reversed. So anyway... It's interesting. He actually went on to, uh, to say um, his name is um, Doc Marquis, or his uh, yeah, his name is Doc Marquis, um, and he he had stated that during one of their um, satanic ceremonies that he participated in uh, was that uh, there was a, a demon that was conjured up, and then um, I guess they they sent the demon to do the devil's dirty work or to you know to oppress. Um, a Christian or to to foul up the plans of of God's work in the world. Um, specifically, they they wanted to send out the demons to um, oppress and and harass and torment Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did happen to say that that when when it when during the ceremony when when a spirit would execute when a head demonic spirit would execute another demonic spirit that was the hireling or whatever. Uh, I don't want to say hireling, but, you know, like a lesser demonic spirit to do its bidding. 
uh, to execute whatever demonic plans they had, they saw he saw a blue light, um, like flash away. So it's interesting how you guys are saying blue light, and and here's somebody who was a high a high ranking Illuminati member uh, who's now a Christian. He was t- also said that the demonic spirit emitted a blue light as well. Um, and then I guess the the demon came back angry and said, well, how dare you send me to a person who uh, is protected by by Jesus, that they have a magic or or Jesus covers them with a magic that I can't penetrate. And he was really angry at the, at the Luciferians, um, this demon. Um, but, but I guess why I'm bringing that up is that it emitted a blue light. So it is mm-hmm. interesting. I'm just tying it into, you know, what you saw, you know, during your ghost uh, paranormal yeah. investigations and such. Anyway, this is yeah. my comment. Okay. Um, yeah, with, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Um, the one thing I'm just going to comment on real quick in regards to conjuring up demons and Satanists who claim to be able to do that, um, <clears throat> two things. One, for all of you out there that believe that you can actually conjure up a demon and control them, you cannot control a demon. You have no power over them whatsoever, no matter how much you believe you do. You have no power over them. Uh, they will do what they want when they want. And no matter what you say or what you do or what magical incantations you use or whatever, it's not going to change the matter of the fact that they're in complete control the entire time. Also, what's interesting to me, Jerry, is that you said the demon came back and said, how dare you send me to someone who's protected by Jesus? I am, I don't know if I completely believe the story, that part of the story, I should say, just because I think that every demon on this planet or in the universe, knows who belongs to Christ all the time. You know, it's something that when someone becomes saved, that particular story goes down the chain to every single demon. So they know and they have an idea. So I don't know if I necessarily believe that the demon was surprised by the fact that someone, you know, was protected or not. But I I just thought those two things are very interesting. And I don't know. I don't know. I think for those of you out there, though, who do, I know I've talked to a lot of people who have conjured up or tried to conjure up demons or think it's safe and so on and so forth. Just simple, simply put, don't do not do it, ladies and gentlemen. That's, it's a death wish, literally. Don't do it. Leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, but thank you, Jerry, for calling in and sharing. Thank you. Uh, it's definitely, that's definitely interesting with the whole blue light thing. All right, folks, uh, we're getting down to the wire here. Um, To kind of uh, amend to Eric's comment, um, not just don't don't conjuring. Um, Me and my girlfriend went to go see Ouija in in theaters. Yes, we did. Um, And um, don't mess with Ouija boards. Um, Ah, yes. Good call. I I did uh, as a kid. Uh, You're opening... A door bef- that you you don't want to open, um, and <laughs> she didn't particularly care for the movie. But since I had had the experience with the Ouija board, um, it it kind of scared the crap out of me. Um, a couple <laughs> of parts, anyways, even though it was PG thirteen. Um, definitely do not mess with something that you know nothing about. Um, it's just kind of a rule of thumb not to mess with anything that will uh, 
bring something into your house you don't want. Yeah. There you know, right. it's and I've had similar experience. You know, I used one growing up as well. My sisters and I we've had very bad experiences with Ouija boards. Uh the the house that we used to live in that oddly enough my cousins now live in <laughs> um was haunted when we were growing up and there were a lot of things that happened that we don't have the time to discuss now, but we will in the future. And, you know, the, the, the Ouija board is, it's not a game. You know, it, it was originally used uh, and created to conjure up the dead uh, or contact demonic beings, entities, um, and later on became a game of some sort. But just because it's now considered a game doesn't mean that it is. There are things that you can contact when you're young and not notice until many, many, many years later in life. Uh, those things yeah. can come out, hide, and stay attached to you, and then eventually reveal itself. Um, and it's just something you got to be very, very, very careful with. I know we threw ours out a lot. Pretty much everyone I know has thrown theirs out at some point because it just brings a lot of trouble. They're very, very dangerous. And also, to go along with that, Mind you, you're asking questions with the Ouija board. However, you don't need a Ouija board in order to conjure up something and have it attack you. If you're in yeah. your house and you see something, hear something, and you decide to say, you know, are you there? You know, is there a spirit here? Who are you? Those simple questions are going to open a door that you do not want opened. You're better off completely ignoring it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, pray, call on God, call on Christ to help you. Uh, to get rid of whatever it is to protect you. Uh, I know not everyone out there listening would do such a thing um, because you're not Christian. You don't believe what I believe. But uh, that's your basically your strongest, you know, guard against any type of oppression from a spirit. So just be very careful. There are a number of different ways to open those doors, and unfortunately, it's very easy to do so. Yeah. All right, folks, uh, we're going to wrap it up here tonight. Uh, next week, we're going to have on Greg Gabowski. Um, uh, uh, he is the founder of U.S. Zombie uh, Outbreak uh, Rescue Team or Relief Team. I can't. It's U.S. Zord. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head the the full name of it. Uh, so, Greg, forgive me for that. Um, the week after that, we will be taking a break for Thanksgiving, and then we will be back <laughs> the week after that with. Yeah off the trails paranormal society uh so folks we will talk to you guys next week my name's justin and i'm eric and uh we'll talk to you guys next week bye peace
That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware, when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise, and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe.